Thanks for joining us today for the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. Today, my guest is Dr. Sonia Badrescia, and she's a board-certified dermatologist based in Danville, California. Super excited to have you here with us today. You're also on our Real Self Business Advisory Board. So extra special. Tell us a little bit about your practice and what your world is like. Well, thanks, Eva, for having me on Real Self. I'm so excited to be here and just to share sort of what my story is, what we've been through. And it is a very challenging time right now, to say the least. You know, we are a combined practice of dermatology, laser, plastic surgery. I work with my husband. We're a husband-wife team. We really enjoy our patients. We love teaching. We love being a training site for other healthcare professionals. We enjoy mentoring young physicians We've been practicing together for the past 10 years, and we have other plastic surgeons as well on board with us, as well as a few nurse practitioner providers who are expert injectors and assistants during plastic surgery procedures. Our practice has evolved over 10 years, and we're now focused on really a niche practice where we focus on five core signature procedures that we do, but we do really, really well. And we, of course, offer other ancillary spa services with 40 lasers, injectables, Right now, everything has been halted from the coronavirus, so we have obviously had to sway away from our five core missions to really pivot our whole business into focusing on other things and focusing on things that will still generate revenue while we're still in this awkward, challenging time. And so that's essentially what we've been doing is really focusing on the things that we wanted to focus on actually before, which was skincare and also doing more of the non-invasive and minimally invasive things because we know we're not going to be ready for surgery on day one. There's going to be a lot of guidelines and limitations to doing so. So I think we've really focused our efforts very differently, and it's going to be a new world when we do reopen. In ordinary times, what are those five procedures that you're staying focused on? Our five core signature procedures are really focusing on things that are minimally invasive in office with less downtime. That includes our body sculpting. So we have what we term is our elite freeze procedure where we combine technologies that are non-invasive for body sculpting. We offer a minimally invasive body sculpting option, which is baser lipo, liposuction. We offer hair transplantation for both men and women, in office mini facelifts. And our bigger focus now has become skincare. So it sounds like a lot of this keeps you from having to depend on outside sources like surgery centers or hospitals to be able to keep moving forward. So you're kind of self-contained under one roof. Is that part of the strategy? Yeah. You know, when we first opened 10 years ago, we've been in business now, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary last year. We really did everything under the sun. We were a one-stop shop for everything, plastic surgery and dermatology. We did medical, we did aesthetics, we did Mohs, we did all of it. And in five years, we had five practices, which was a lot. And of course, we also had our personal life, two children and you know a lot going on. And so we really had to take a step back at that period of time to say, you know, what is it truly that we want? And we had to shape our lives the way we wanted to. And we knew that being as busy as we were and having all these locations in our cards, that's not what we want in our long term. So we really scaled it down. And now we have three different offices. We also even have one in LA, which is now four offices. But we have ancillary that we trust and trust our 
patient care with. And that allows us to be away from the practice, but still overseeing the practice to focus on the other things that we enjoy doing. So we've really pivoted things even at the five-year mark, and we're pivoting them again at the next five-year mark with all of this surrounding us. So those have been instrumental changes with you know our strategy. So it isn't that you don't offer everything. It's that you and your husband are both focusing on very specific things that you want to do and delegating the rest to other people. Yes. Truly enjoy doing that. We're really good at our signature treatments that we'll take mm-hmm. on, but we also have other ancillary staff that can do it, but just in a different technique and a different way, but we can entrust them to do a really great job. I think a lot of practices are fearful to say that they only do a small number of things. And it sounds like your experience has been the opposite. So was it scary to actually reduce what you said you were going to do? I think we were so busy at our five-year mark that we actually, you know, I had a two-month wait list for my medical dermatology patients and then, you know, reimbursements weren't so great. I mean, there are some days that I probably should not have shown up for work and I would have probably made more money. And that's when we started evaluating, you know, where are we with our time and our effort and our revenue sources? And when we look at our data, because we're very data-driven as well with our practice and our choices that we make, we saw that you know a lot of people were coming in for some core procedures that we were also marketing very heavily. So we became known as those experts for body sculpting, hair transplants, you know, in office mini facelifts. And people were looking for options for less downtime, less invasiveness, not putting you under general anesthesia. That's scary for people. So we had an alternative, but we had options. And it became safer options with less downtime. And that's how we really created that niche. So we didn't do it right away. It wasn't overnight, but we saw that we could do that. And when that that time hit, we were able to create more of that strategy for you know what we wanted in our lives. This kind of growth, it certainly doesn't come without a smart marketing strategy. How did you approach marketing from the beginning and how do you think about it now? So practice management, our mission for our practice has always been building a raving fan experience for our patients, treating them like family. That is our staff knows, our patients know, and we are very clear that that's our number one. With our marketing efforts that we do from day one, our marketing efforts have always relied on education. So we have been looking at all avenues of marketing since day one. And you know, we were very fortunate to have found kind of our niche, our calling, which was TV in the Bay Area, which was also, you know, other things that we did. We did radio, we did social media, and we did everything. But TV really is the one that hit home for us. And still to this day, we have over the 10 years of marketing that we've done, you know, that's our number two referral source. Number one is word of mouth and number two has been that media. So we continue to do it. And we tried it in the beginning thinking, well, if it doesn't work, it's okay. We'll go on to the next. But I think our first time we were on, we got several calls. We got like 50 calls. And it just became this consistency that we kept up that continued to allow for not only our phones to ring, but also became branding. I became the spokesperson for our practice. I was able to share on education. They knew who I was and what we stood for, what our mission was. And I think that connection that they felt to us allowed for people to actually come from a wide radius, even from out of state, out of the country. So that has really built our practice very quickly over the 10 years. So go back to that very first time you were on TV. Did you get that on your own? Did someone get it for you? How did you 
get that to happen? So 10 years ago was when we were just starting our practice. I was just launching my book on skin of color. I think I just had my baby and we were literally just starting our practice, opening our doors. And my husband is really sort of the marketing guru for our practice. We've never hired an agency. You know, because we're a husband and wife team, we both have our strengths and his strength really was strategy. We had gotten our first TV appearance on Channel 4, Cron, right during Smack of the News, which was a perfect time, a perfect setting for us. We're educationally driven. So he was able to get a spot for us to try. And the relationship basically built from there. And since then, it's been such a successful medium for us. We kept going on Channel 4. And that allowed for other opportunities to open up, including the doctors and Channel 2, Geo Fox. I mean, we've been on pretty much both radio and TV spectrum in the Bay Area. Have you earned all of those? Those were acquired like through what people would call free PR or have you used some of the paid spots that they offer to from the news stations? So we actually have our own marketing agency as well. So we do both paid and we do non-paid. And so a lot of them are actually intermixed and we get a lot of even magazines and there's editors that'll come to us to do various different stories. And so it kind of bridge one thing led to another and the domino effect kind of opened the doors for us to have those opportunities. I'm a big fan of those little paid slots, not just for what you can get from being on TV, but what you can do with the content later and how long it lives and the credibility that it gives you. So it sounds like you hit on that and then just threw gas on the fire. Yes. Yes. And you can repurpose that in so many different ways. And, you know, it just allowed us to be able to build more of that brand in so many various different ways. And that's what people want. They want to feel like there's a connection to the practice, to the doctor. And I think that those are just vehicles to allow us to be able to do that. Absolutely. The Bay Area, I know geographically can be very challenging for patients. You know, mentally, I remember I used to have customers in that area who would say, no one's going to drive across the bridge. And I think that's true to a point, but if you know you're going to get a good experience, you'll drive just about anywhere. Have you had people come from all over the area because they feel like they know you? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, that is not any consolation for us. I mean, we are so respectful of their time and we're so appreciative that they take that, you know, three hour, four hour drive. I mean, I've had people who've had like four hours before they came to see me. I've had somebody who literally flew from like Maryland to come over to see me for this keloid that nobody even from Hopkins could help. And she had no money and got all this funding. I think her daughter had this whole fund donated to her. So she could literally just get on a plane. She came in, I still remember with her little suitcases to us, to a lead MD. And I mean, thank God I was there that day because I didn't know that whole back end story. She had never flown on a plane. She had never ridden in a taxi. And she came showing up on my doorstep with her baggage, not knowing where she was going to stay that night. She said she thought she was going to stay at our practice. So we had to actually buy her, you know, after seeing her and seeing that we weren't able to help her, you know, she thought I could cure her in two days, but that wasn't the case. My colleague was there, Dr. Malcolm Musavoy, who was actually featured on the show Botched, who has seen these kinds of cases, who was able to help her and connect with somebody in Maryland who can help her. So we did a three-hour consultation on her because she spent the time actually to come to us, spoke to her in Swahili, 
found out she had a keloid from being abused from her first marriage when she was a teenager back in Africa, was in distress and pain for years and years and years and saw every doctor under the sun who couldn't help her and thought that I was going to be the one to help her and cure this. We were just so touched that she came all the way out. She was crying. She was, you know, just appreciative of the time that we took for her. We got her sourced with somebody out in Maryland, but then we bought her a plane ticket to go back the same day because there wasn't anything that I was going to be able to do for her. But those are the types of stories that I'll hear about just from doing this medium called TV that reaches out to people all over the world, really. And we have been fortunate to see patients from you know six continents, 25 countries, and 49 states because we're out there. And so we're a brand. Yeah, I go out there, people recognize me now. People know me. People want a consultation with me. So it is cool. It's great. I feel like you know I'm connected to a huge wider reach where I can actually make an impact and a difference. But that's the main focus is, is making sure that the education is out there and that I do my job to teach, educate, and avoid complications that we see a lot in our practice from both plastic surgery and the dermatology side. You know what I'm hearing is that this doesn't come from a single TV spot. This comes from a foundation that is a strategy of taking care of people. And then it comes from sticking to that strategy and using the same channels over and over for a long period of time. Consistency is very important. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And feeling a connection to the person that they see or they hear is super important. That's the first part of building that raving fan experience before they walk in the door. This is the same effect that Real Self has on a lot of patients when they come in and say, I feel like I already know you. And it isn't unique to Real Self. This is certainly what's happening with you and television. But that's the goal of marketing is to get the patient to feel like they already know you when they walk in the door. And that's what you're saying. So before coronavirus, I think you were already doing telehealth with patients. And I recently had my own, I live in Austin, my dermatologist that I'd been to twice immediately pivoted, tried to get me to do telehealth. And where I think they screwed up was my appointment wasn't for a month and they wanted me to pay the copay over the phone today. And I was sitting at my desk without my wallet and I was like, well, I'm just going to cancel. Never mind. You're being too difficult for me. And I gave them tons of credit for trying, but (laughs) they missed an opportunity to sell me products. They didn't build the relationship with me. I'm not a new, new patient, but I'm still getting to know them. I guess there's a couple of things I'm getting at here. In medical derm patients and cosmetic derm patients, there's always a big line drawn between them. And you get treated really well and really fast if you're a cosmetic derm patient. But what if you're a medical derm patient who could also be a cosmetic derm patient? How do you approach that, especially with telehealth? So that's a great question. A couple of years ago, when we were taking insurance patients on and doing both medical dermatology and aesthetic medicine, oftentimes people would come in for their acne or their rash. And we would always have a questionnaire to determine, again, we like to do a 360 approach for every patient that comes in. There's a questionnaire, you know, allowing them to let us know if they had any other needs or any other questions about cosmetic procedures, et cetera. And oftentimes, which we should have done was to take a look at that every single time consistently, but we didn't. By just doing that step, it allows that conversation to open up in a room. 
I never knew what the time was, to be honest with you. I probably ran behind more than I should have. And my MAs were trying to get me to get out of the door more often than I probably should have. But my goal was when I'm in in a room with a patient, it's one-on-one. I am there for them to answer every question that they have. So I start with the medical dermatology, but it always becomes a, by the way, since I'm here, I would love to know more about, yes, what should I be doing for my skin? And you know, this has always bothered me. What are some options? And I always gave some time, at least enough to give them the options of, yes, we're here. We can do something for you. Even if I couldn't do it all in one visit, I would make sure I walk them out and schedule another complimentary consultation with us or refer them to the source that can get them there. Before they leave, my big thing was if I'm managing you for acne or other things, I also offer free skin cancer screenings. I've probably already done a free skin cancer screening on you. My spiel is going to be the same for all of my patients. My number one mission is your skin health. So I'm going to be talking about sunblocks and making sure you're on the right one. Going to be talking to you about vitamin A's and making sure you're doing your preventative work at home. Because we talk about the 30-30-30 rule, 30% of your final results, whether it's a rash, acne, or some aesthetic procedure, is going to be what we can do for you in the office. But the other 30% of it is what you do at home. And then the final 30% of it is just your body and the universe and how does your body or your skin react to our treatment choices for you. So our approach for every patient, it's a partnership. We're going to give you recommendations. We're going to give you options. But at the end of the day, it's going to be up to our patients to be able to make the decision, being informed, but we're going to give them a full 360 evaluation and a 360 comprehensive consultation experience. And that's part of that raving fan experience. And before they leave, I'm going to make sure that you are also, you know, hooked up with us for your next follow-up appointment. So those are some key strategies that you have to do, I think, combination medical and aesthetic medicine consultation experience. But there are so many lost opportunities when that relationship is not being built, whether it's over the phone with your staff member or in person with you, or as they're leaving with the front desk, because all of those are opportunities, failed opportunities, if you're staff is not trained or if you're you know, not doing some of the basic work. And the other thing I wanted to say was even for the plastic surgery side, we're taught dermatology, we're taught plastic surgery in our residency. But at the end of the day, that's not who we are. It's not what we do. The goal and the mission is to help with skin health, saving lives, preventing skin cancer, and also transforming lives in every way that we can. And it always extends beyond what we are trained. So plastic surgery side, we have a whole transformation wheel experience that we do because yes, we can do your surgery, but we don't want to just do your surgery and never see you again. We want to make sure that we give you a full experience where health, nutrition, diet, exercise, all of that is talked to extensively at great lengths to make sure that you're doing what you need to do your third, even before your procedure. And you'll be surprised. People will not stop smoking if you tell them to stop smoking, but they will stop smoking if they say, we're not going to do your procedure, your surgery that you've been wanting to do for the past 10 years, they will stop smoking. And because we have such an influence before that surgery, we actually get people healthier. We can get people to actually lose weight on their own. We can get people off their diabetes and hypertensive medications. We can get people to stop smoking. And then we do their procedure. And then it's, what's great is they're able to then keep that off and do a lot of preventative work after their procedure because they see the great results. 
It's great motivation. What about the other 10%? I know. <laughs> Sorry, my math didn't kind of... That's my husband said. I just remember 30, 30, 30, because it's easy for the patients to remember. But I guess it's 33, 33, 33 point something. <laughs> I'll have to come up with another 10% rule. That's <laughs> the second time this week I've heard the 30, 30, 30 rule. And I've never heard it before in my life. But it's very useful. Right? (laughs) You're a well-known skincare expert. And I've been sort of watching the trends in skincare. And we talk about this a lot at Real Self to get a barometer for what consumers are feeling and thinking. And one of my own complaints, but also a complaint of many people, is how complicated skincare has gotten. And then you start seeing stories about are we using too many products? Do we need to use all these products? And then, of course, the next thing that comes along is greatly simplified products. So I think of Curology, a great product that's also coming out of the Bay Area where you get a, um, a professional diagnosis with pictures and then they give you a kit and it comes to you every month. And if it works, like I don't know why you would bother doing anything else. And then uh, I heard that SkinCeuticals was heading that direction with one of their products. And so I'm really curious what you're seeing in that sort of simplification trend towards skincare getting easier and not more complicated. Yeah, I think you're right, Eva. I think the goal for us is to be able to allow for the simplest. Simplicity is really key. Keeping it simple so that you get compliance. And really, it's through compliance that you get results. And patients are different. I do have some patients that my God, they spend tons of money on, you know, some of those really overpriced products over the counter and they're happy with them. And then I've got some that barely wash their face with water. So there's definitely a spectrum of, you know, patients and what they're willing to do. And it really is up to us to help them make the baby steps that are important to get them on some of the basic products that we know are science-driven. So sunblock is just, is a must. Unfortunately, sunblock can't be combined, for example, with other products if you're looking for results, but it's a great prevention step. You know, vitamin A, we know vitamin A, there's enough science out there to know that it works. However, an over-the-counter formulation is very different than a medical prescription or even a physician-grade And so there is education on making sure people are on the right formulas for their skin without the irritation, you know, understanding skin types, but also understanding that we need them in a higher dose, a higher concentration to be able to penetrate the skin to do the job. So skin science is very important as we look into the simplicity of the product, because you can have a simple product, but if it's not doing the job and penetrating to the skin, it's really also wasting your time to be using that product. So I think you always need to combine both of that. We got to get the data and the science and the concentrations right before we're able to make it simple. So I gauge every patient based on what they're on currently, what are they willing to do? Because I have some that enjoy that little time for themselves to do three or four products. And then I've got some, like like you said, especially my teenagers or my men or the ones that just want to be super simple that just want a really good face wash or, you know, I get them at least on the sunblock at the very least. That's my job number one. And then from there I build up. I'm just dying to know what products you prefer both in the office and then 
what are your favorites? Like if we did a what's in your purse, what would we find? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it depends on the season and it depends on what, you know, what I'm doing. And so right now we've got, you know, the quarantine kits right now, we're basically in our homes. Some of us are stressed out. Some of us have dry skin. So for me, it's more dealing with that kind of issue. So again, it varies depending on what my skin's going through. Over-the-counter, when people ask me, what, what is my best over-the-counter recommendations? You can get a great sunblock over-the-counter. My preference is to make sure we you know, follow our guidelines. The AAD recommends SPF 30 or higher. My recommendation is always to look for a zinc oxide-based sunblock because there is controversy with the chemical sunblocks. And unfortunately, 95% of them over the counter are chemical based, especially when you get into absorption and, you know, environmental coral reefs that are dying. So zinc oxide, 7% or higher is my recommendation for skin of color, which is another gap in skincare, in my opinion, you know, skin of color needs higher concentrated, also more zinc oxide, micronized, fine, sheer, so it doesn't appear ashy or white or thick. So I always recommend more of the medical grade formulations because of the aesthetically nice result that it has on all skin types. So I've got my favorites for over the counter, more of the sheer zinc oxide, but then I've also got my physician grade. And physician grade, you know, I I don't have a huge preference for We have our own line, but I also like SkinCeuticals. I also like Obagi. I mean, they're all really great physician-grade lines. So if I can, I try to get people on your favorite physician-grade line because they're just going to be highly concentrated. They're going to have the good stuff. They're going to do the job. And we're really about results at the end of the day. Unless someone wanted more of a very simple, basic routine than I think over-the-counter products that are good moisturizers, cleansers, sunblocks would be just fine. And right now my go-to is BB cream. So BB cream is my one formula that is like my sunblock. It's my primer and it's my moisturizer. And I love dual acting products whenever I can. So that's what's really in my purse right now these days. It sounds to me like you're loyal to ingredients and not brands. And I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I try to stay neutral. (laughs) I give you the information and then, you know, that information can help you better determine what products are right for you. So you stood up a curbside skincare pickup. Are people using it? Yes. People are so excited to hear from us right now. When we call them, just to check up on them, how are you doing through this? They're just happy to be connected because really they're not staying as connected with people. And we want to be top of mind and we want to show people that we care. So the first conversation just starts in, how are you doing? How are you getting by through all this? What can we do to serve you? And that's a great opportunity for people to get their refills in for skincare, which a lot of people do. That's a great time to say, hey, by the way, we do have a promotion on you know, your beauty products because I know you can't come out to get come here necessarily. We can offer free shipping for you. Or if you prefer, we do offer curbside pickup where you know, we're masks and we're very careful, gloves, and we basically just drop it off just like you go to a restaurant. Here's your little skincare kit or quarantine kit. And they're so, so happy to be able to you know, I was surprised how happy people were with us just reaching out and just letting people know that we were there for them and we cared. It's a great time when they do have questions about, hey, what should I be doing? Or I always had a question about this. Great. Let's get you set up for a virtual consultation now with uh, one of our providers and let's walk you through that step. And by the way, there's promotions going on right now on maybe some of the things that you're interested in. So you're ready to go when we reopen. So it's a great way for us to be able to have our schedules booked, but it's also a great way to show patients that we're there for them and we care. 
a portion of our proceeds are also going to helping our frontline workers. And I think people always want to do business with people who are in their communities and helping their communities. So, you know, all of that is part of our brand. In the Wall Street Journal this morning, there's a story about emergency dental work and how the patients were so, so thrilled just to see other humans that they were looking forward to emergency (laughs) work. (laughs) I can imagine how they, it must be like Christmas to come get curbside skincare. Yes. Here's the other thing. It's like people actually are staying home and they have downtime and they're actually thinking about the fact that, hey, I have downtime. Can I come in to get this procedure done now? And unfortunately, this is where we're like, sorry, but no, we have to still, you know, public safety is our first priority, but we're happy to see you back when we reopen. Let's get you on the schedule. Yep. We think there's going to be a big pent up demand surge when they feel safe enough to come back in. There's going to be a huge surge. So what I'm hoping is that practices will work extra hours or maybe weekend hours and try to capture some of that opportunity if they're smart about it. And then I think that there's going to be a second wave and those are the people we have to get off the couch. So, you know, those of us who need our hair done right now or our foreheads <laughs> will be <laughs> at the top. Yes. Of the list. Yeah. And then what happens after that surge is, is what I'm more worried about right now. I want to touch on one more thing here with the time that we have left. And And I know it's sort of like TV. Doctors always want to know how you become a KOL. And I know that you speak on behalf of MERS and probably some others that I couldn't find by stalking you on the internet. What does it take to be recognized as a KOL? And how do you get those opportunities? You know, for us, we were, as a husband and wife team, both in dermatology and plastic surgery, and then also with my expertise in skin of color, I think... I have another perspective and other value that I bring to every company that I work with. So Procter & Gamble is a big one that I've worked with since residency days, actually, which I have no idea how they chose me. But part of it was probably because of my interest in skin of color and helping close the gaps. I've worked with Unilever. I've worked with Galderma, Sun. So I've worked on several advisory boards. And I think part of that is, you know, what value are you going to be bringing in a diverse advisory board, you know, I bring the voice of the skin of color. I bring the voice of a female dermatologist, of an ethnic dermatologist, and we have really, it's all about relationships. So for us, just like we are building a brand and a relationship with our patients, so are we doing with our reps and with people that we have strong relationships that we use. And we really believe in these companies, which is why we are on the board. So, you know, Real Self, we're on the advisory board because we really believe in their mission. We really believe in the connection that you all are trying to build with consumers and with physicians. And that is so, so important. So I'm so honored just to be thought of in that capacity and so honored to have a voice. And part of that mission of education is bringing that education out to the forefront to bring change and impact the overall bigger picture. So I think being out there and building relationships and then also having a niche expertise skin of color, having books, having author journals, all of those things really contribute to my background as a key opinion leader. I know we're really proud to have you on our board. There's one last question that I ask, and I ask everybody this, and it starts to feel a little goofy, but it's a really important question. And it's, everybody has a unique superpower. What's yours? 
You know, I look at my journey of where I've been and where I'm at now. And part of this is just in the most simplest terms, it's being a woman. In this day and age, in this profession, as an Indian, as a human being, seeing myself as more of that divine being who's having a more spiritual experience and uncovering all the layers of being a woman, really, at the end of the day, I've been able to explore more of that, especially during the coronavirus, right? Because now I'm a homeschool teacher that I wasn't before. I'm also a technology guru, which I never thought I could be, (laughs) you know, on top of being a dermatologist and a wife and a mother and all of the wonderful things I get to do, but I get to do all of these great things. And, and again, you know, for me, it's, it's always bringing a voice to the woman in me, to the people that don't have that opportunity, because I came from that. I came from, you know, the immigrant experience where I didn't see other Indian women like me being doctors. I didn't see other Indian women like me having a voice. I didn't see other Indian women like me, even though I did modeling and acting and all that kind of stuff. These were all underserved areas that I felt like just deserved a voice. So I think that's been my superpower is being able to exercise that voice and every opportunity that I can and be able to open the door for others. I can see it. Thank you for sharing your stories with us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it. And Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.